Hi, everybody. I've had a number of requests to talk about the subject of 5G, and it's sort of all over the place. If you go down the conspiracy road, it gets into China, who's ahead in terms of building their infrastructure on the 5G trend uh, of espionage, uh, down to the health effects. And I really want to stay in the range of what is 5G? Um, what kind of frequency range are we dealing with here? What are the potential health effects and real health effects? And then what are some of the ways we can reduce those effects on our body and that of our family? So I'm going to stay in that sweet spot of what we can do about it. The rest of it, you could there are thousands and thousands of links to 5G, so you can go research them. So what I thought I'd do is start this uh, talk with a CNBC report that was done on 5G uh, in March of 2018. It's well produced, it's about five minutes long, and it tells you why 5G is a thing, what the industries are hoping to achieve with it, and all of the various um, industries that will be dependent on that speed of transmission of data. So uh, without further ado, let's take a look at the CNBC report on what 5G is, roughly when it's expected to roll out and such, just to get a basic framework. Okay, here goes. Here are a few basic facts from a CNBC report. First of all, 5G could replace the need for cable networks because it's software defined and operates on the cloud. At this point, it's expected to have about 100 times better capacity than 4G. For example, a film download back in the days of 3G would take 26 hours. A film download in 4G, six minutes. In 5G, 3.6 seconds. Okay, so that gives you an idea of what kind of speed increase we're talking about. Some of the industries that are going to be really dependent on it because it requires real-time reactions in terms of computing is virtual reality, self-driving cars is a big one, gaming and robotics. They need the quicker the time, the closer you are to real-time um, this matters even in terms of safety, especially with self-driving cars. As far as the rollout goes, they say 2020 is the expected year for the rollout, and that's really in just some key cities around the world. They expect that even by 2025, 5G installation will be behind 3G and 4G globally. Um, it's expensive for businesses to roll out a completely different model that needs a lot more bandwidth. At this point, it's expected that China will have the first real rollout because they have a more integrated installation going on to begin with, which of course creates some fear in some of the other countries, particularly the United States, when it comes to potential data compromises. Okay, so I, I mean, that's some useful information because when you're watching it, you think, well, looking at the trends in robotics and everything else and self-driving cars, you know, for what it's worth, um, obviously we're going to have faster have, have a need for faster data transmission in those particular arenas, but at what cost? Because again, I think this comes down, this is the part that we forget about. We think these decisions are all made from on high, which they are for corporate survival and profit, but in the end, it all comes down to the consumer and that's us. And so there's a point at which we have to make these really clear decisions in our lives. Do I want that kind of speed? Do I want to uh, interact in a virtual world where everything is in real time, uh, right? Where we're down to nanoseconds in terms of getting the results we're looking for and downloading our videos and such like the little film you just watched uh, showed us. So in the end, it's down to us. How do we want to live in mass? How do we want to live individually? So we'll get to that in a little bit and what's going to be required of us and the hot spots for 
5G around the world, which basically is going to be urban areas. But before that, let me just get into a little bit of the science. So I went ahead and gathered some data, not to overload you or me with it, but just to give you an idea. And first of all, let me show you this little graph. You can find others online that are probably better, but this is essentially the electromagnetic spectrum, okay? What we're looking at right in here, this right here, one, that's where 5G begins, one gigahertz. I mean, excuse me, that's, that's where we're up to right about now with four, uh, 4G. Going up to 5G, we were talking between five and 100 and even above gigahertz. Look at what that is. That's the microwave band. And so we've all been reading about microwaves. Our old microwave ovens used to have a warning on them not to stand too close to them when you're microwaving your food, uh, as a matter of fact. In fact, there's a really fun little story around microwaves and their band, which they run at about 2.5 gigahertz. But again, it's very confined with the frequencies bouncing off of each other. And of course, we know what it does. Um, so we're talking about now five to 100 gigahertz. So let's talk about a gigahertz. Here, velocity matters. These short, fast wavelengths matter. A gigahertz is one billion oscillations per second, a billion oscillations per second. So you can do the math moving up to five and even up to 100 and beyond gigahertz, the speed at which these frequencies are moving in this microwave band. Now, just because a frequency is higher doesn't mean it's damaging. We have beyond the microwaves, if you took a you know, a quick look on that chart, you have visible light and gamma rays, all the kind of solar uh, and cosmic kinds of radiations that are happening. Those don't affect us in the same way. There's this, this band of ionizing and non-ionizing of thermal, meaning heating and non-thermal types of radiation that are the problem areas. And that's in that microwave band. We've already been in it with previous cell phone technologies, even up to 4G. Some of these have thermal effects, which is what's um, been documented in terms of the growth of uh, brain tumors and such, and as a suspect in terms of uh, a rapid increase in brain tumors, okay? So everybody knows that, um, the, heat, the thermal effects, but there are non-thermal effects as well. And that's something that doesn't get reported on much. However, if you start searching, the industries themselves are telling you what's going on. The National Institute of Health, World Health Organization, they all know what's going on here. But your cell phone providers, I guess, aren't obliged to tell you about the dangers. So let's just talk a little bit here. This is from the microwave industry itself, okay? It says 32% of the studies have confirmed non-thermal radiation causes adverse effects on our health. That's from the microwave industry. We'll get down to National Institute of Health. There is, quote, there is strong evidence that excessive exposure to cell phone frequencies, no, we're talking cell phones, we're also talking um, routers in our home, which I'll get to in a moment, um, that there's strong evidence that excessive exposure to cell phone frequencies over a long period of time increases the risk of brain cancer in humans and animals. And proximity matters where you have everything closer to you, whether it's a cell phone, a router, or what's going to become the array of these little 5G antennas. So one thing that's been happening is there's been an increase in college students in um, uh, ocular melanoma. 
And apparently that's because the brain tissue and eye tissue are very similar. And oftentimes on campuses, you have arrays of uh, antenna for cell phone and other transmissions saturated around a campus. So kids are exposed to them at this level and their brains have really don't even finishing develop, finish developing till we're in our early 20s. So this is not, this isn't good that, that kids are having ocular, higher instances of ocular melanoma. That shouldn't be happening at all. So those are just a couple things. I'm going to talk to you a little more about proximity in just a moment here. So this frequency band is in that frequency band of non-ionizing radiation. That damages the structure and function of the nervous system as well. When we're looking at the more, the kind of uh, frequencies we've already been dealing with, these other frequencies, these non-thermal radiation effects, you're talking about free radicals are created. It alters uh, our genetic structure, damages DNA, and it has adverse effects on male and female reproduction. I think it's no surprise when you look around you um, that our reproductive systems have been impacted by a number of things. Now, that can get into toxins of all kinds, heavy metals, but also those are, we're going to get into that in just a moment. Those are interacting with these frequencies. These very high frequencies interact with the metals in our body. That's a big one. But let's go back to the effects it's having on us as humans. We've already talked about some genetic damage. The industry's already saying brain tumors, uh, ocular um, melanoma in college students at much higher rates than should ever be expected. Now let's look at what happens to children. So when we're talking about children, and I just I just freak out when I see little kids carrying around cell phones. Um, first of all, it has an effect on their them because their nervous system is still under development. Their brain tissue when they're growing at those very young ages is hyperconductive. Um, also, they have greater penetration into the brain because their head size is simply smaller. And not only that, when you start them off at, you know, one year old holding on to a cell phone or an iPad for entertainment, um, they have a lifetime of exposure where someone like myself wasn't exposed until well into my life into any of the, not most of you watching to your, you're well into your life to these frequencies. So keep little kids away from this stuff. This is no good at all. And um, I think that just makes co common sense just from those four factors I told you a moment ago. So let me tell you something else going on. This is interesting. It's anecdotal. And it's something that I have discovered relatively recently, actually. I was born, many of you know this already, um, if you're a regular viewer of mine, I was born with a very rare birth defect, and it had to do with um, a, a genetic problem, a congenital a genetic defect having to do with my adrenal glands. Uh, this caused a whole array of problems, but one of them is that my body um, can go into Addison's crisis, which is very dangerous. It's put me in ERs all over the world. Um, essentially, once your vitals start shutting down, um, you're in deep trouble, and that's because your electrolytes are thrown off, and that's because of the precipitating events before that. However, that said, I've been ameliorating it through having to take supplemental hydrocortisone since I was seven years old, my whole life. That's just a daily um, uh, requirement for me. But when I was in my early 30s, uh, a young new mom, I was working at a television station as a news anchor. 
we had no one understood the damaging effects of microwaves at this point in time. At least no one, no one in the public at large understood this. We had a massive microwave dish sitting right above my head. We were in a building that probably had, I would say, the standard nine to ten foot ceilings in the newsroom, uh, the boiler room, as it were. And uh, our microwave dish in our facility sat on top of the newsroom. Okay, and this was our transmission and receiving uh, for all of the feeds that came in and went out, right? So during this period of time, I started having more severe events. I started losing energy. Um, I was fainting in public, um, literally. I, a couple of times. One time I was in a grocery store, and next thing I knew, I woke up and there were firemen around me somewhere else. And I was so weak that on the weekends, I could hardly drag myself out of bed to do anything. I could hardly lift my arms to even blow dry my hair. Well, in years since, it's shown up in blood work that I had something similar to, well, Epstein's bar. Epstein-Barr actually is what uh, one doc actually diagnosed looking at the interpretation, his interpretation of lab reports. So I had this genetic problem to begin with. Now I'm exposed to microwaves, which corrupts the functioning on a cellular level um, to one degree or another, and every human is different. If you have inherent weaknesses, this can exacerbate them. In this case, this is when I started having um, adrenal crises that does put me in the ER. Never had it until I had been exposed to these microwaves. And then furthermore, seizures, what you know appear to be full-on grandma seizures. Well, I'm unconscious, so I don't know much about it, but I've been told about it by people who are around me when it has happened. Um, this, in just re recently putting all these pieces together, I talked to a friend of mine who is also a news anchor, who has had the same lifelong autoimmune problems I have, not lifelong, since we started in the newsroom. Okay. She has the same issues. She was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr as well. And so what's happened here is I, I said to her, Susan, do you think it has to do with the fact we sat under microwave dishes for years? And it's the first time she had thought about it as well. So, you know, there was, there was no understanding of it. Of course, there was no warning. We didn't understand much. This was a long time ago. So the corruption that happened in my own body, it appears to have exacerbated an already underlying condition to the extent that it now is actually life-threatening when I have an event and I have to live my life very differently as a result of it. Um, because adrenaline and cortisol is what handles stress. My body can't handle a lot of stress. So I just live differently. I have to be a little gentler and kinder to myself, but that's a bit off topic. The point is, I believe now that it was exacerbated by uh, massive exposure to microwaves. Now, the other problem that's going on in the body is that, and we talked about this in Poisons in the Sky, our bodies have heavy metals in them that we've accumulated over time. As I talked about in that piece and then did another piece with Jim Lee on the sources of it, it's not just military chemtrails, but it appears to be the airline industry itself. We have a worse problem than we, than we had thought with heavy metals in these jet fuels and their trails that are falling down to the ground and being absorbed into the crops, into the air we breathe, into the food we eat, and so forth. Now, 
over a lifetime, we have a larger and larger saturation of heavy metals in our body. These heavy metals, when you go up into these really high frequency ranges of microwaves, act as mini antenna in the body. I talked about this very briefly in my interview with Jim Lee. He had severe thyroid issues and he had to find his way out of it on his own. And he did. So what I want to propose is if you want to go back and watch Poisons in the Sky and look at Dr. Klinghart's little part in there, it talks about some of the detoxing we can do from these heavy metals. The same thing applies. I'm just going to kind of give you a few a few um, sources here you can look at for Detoxing with heavy metals. These are just really simple things. Um, cilantro, things most of you know about. Cilantro, parsley, deep green spinach, blueberries, garlic, lemon water. Whenever you drink water, just squeeze some good fresh lemon juice in there. It has a wonderful effect uh, besides just heavy metals detox. Spirulina and chlorella, barley grass, green tea, and probiotics. You can also use bentonite and diatomaceous earth. And then I'm going to, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going upstairs and I'm going to be shooting a little video of my favorite green drink, which has a number of these elements in it that is super delicious. And it's just kind of something you can throw in as one meal replacement a day if you want, or as an augmentation. But it, it's again, it's a green detox drink. Um, I'll explain the rest of it when I do that video and you, you can take a peek at it. Um, so th there are ways we can begin ameliorating this. You can, oh, one other thing. Okay, let me get back to that adrenal problem and going to the ER. What happens is when this starts, and it can be through extreme fatigue, it can be through food poisoning, stomach flu, um, having too rich a meal or too much coffee or something, um, for example, an e-ticket to the ER for me is to have a rich meal late in the evening with a glass of wine followed by espresso. I will end up in the ER. It's an overload on the acidity in the system. So what's happening all the time is your body is pumping out. It has this little um, uh, sodium and potassium pumping structure that works through the electrical circuitry of the body, always just gently modulating to keep your body balanced in its electrolytes. And that keeps all your vitals, your heart and everything running. What happens when you go into an adrenal crisis, for example, is that doesn't work anymore. And so you immediately start having electrolyte loss and, uh, and it can happen through a lot of functions in the body. You just lose your electrolytes very, very rapidly and you're in trouble. So when I go into the ER, what they give me, potassium and sodium. So that really struck me when I was doing research on this and looking at it. For every one of us, these signals on one level or another, and all our bodies are very different in how it manages all this, okay? So we need to say that first. So I'm sensitive this way. So this little electrical action that keeps our sodium and potassium, this little pump regulated and our electrolytes pumping out is disturbed by these microwave frequencies, okay? So that's another thing. So you just need to take it upon yourself, it, however you have to. If you're sensitive, there are little electrolyte drinks you can, you can take on a regular basis, put a little bit of it in water bottles and carry it around with you and just make sure you keep your electrolytes in balance because those are your saviors. Those little electrolytes will keep your vitals running in hard times if you get under extreme stress. So I wanted to point that one out. Um, so 
What's going to happen here is the proximity thing I mentioned earlier. 5G is going to require <clears throat> shorter antenna, these smaller antenna that are placed very close to each other in urban areas. They'll go on rooftops anywhere from two to eight rooftops apart in densely populated urban areas. And then they're sending, sending their signal to each other, okay? And what they're, you know, I thought, geez, are they, what's that going to happen here? Is this going to be forced on people or what? But from the research I've done, and if you find out something different, let me know and post under this video interview on it. But basically what I've seen is uh, the companies that place these, that are going to be, that have already and are going to be placing this little antenna, they're already putting them on administration buildings, churches, in public places and on public buildings. But when it comes down to our rooftops, I'm assuming it's the same thing, but basically they just pay people. They pay you $100, 200 a month to rent that roof space, space for these little antenna. You probably are going to say, no, you cannot do that. Um, but the fact is you're going to be caught in the crossfire of the frequencies anyway if you're in a densely populated area. And the truth is you're already, many of you are already subjecting yourself to these 5G frequencies if you have, for example, a Netgear 5G router in your home. Okay, those routers are little mini cell antennas. They're pumping out that frequency. So imagine what happens when you're sitting at your desk. Say, say you're a college kid or you work in your kitchen. Okay, a lot of people work from home at the kitchen table and your router's right near that. You're right next to that signal all the time. So you're doing that to yourself without 5G cell service even being introduced. The good thing is they have devices. It's called a Wi-Fi let's see, Wi-Fi router guard, Wi-Fi router guards. You can go online. Apparently, um, from what I've seen, they cost around $100. And you can put these router guards over the router, but it still allows enough of a signal to transmit within the house that it's not going to block your signal. You might have to play around with it a little bit. I don't know. We, we haven't gotten ours yet, but we're going to order one. So Wi-Fi, we don't, but we're not, we don't, do anything near the router anyway. It's far away from us where we work and eat and everything. So um, the, the proximity of these devices to your body does matter, just like having the proximity of the cell phone to your body does matter. So what we want to take a look at here is what else we can do in the environment at large. Now, I mentioned this before. I think I mentioned it in... Um, uh, with Jim Lee briefly, but the FLFE technology, Focus Life Force Energy, which uh, I'm a big fan of, I use in my home, and a lot of you do too. Um, they've done some experiments here, and you can take a look at with EMFs in general. Taking a look at the two graphs now, this is the original FLFE measurement before and after the general EMF influence in a home was calculated. This had a router, computer, Wi-Fi, and all the normal things on in this home. The red line was what the energy looked like without FLFE turned on. Once FLFE was turned on, the results were shown in the blue line, which was a much more calm and coherent energy. In this second chart, take a look at the green bar. This is when Fluffy was testing the 5G router box at close range. Those have been referred to as mini 5G towers, as I mentioned before. The energy here is much more chaotic than the previous EMF environment you saw in the graph before this. But surprisingly, in looking at the brown box, the energy became even more coherent than in the previous test, with FLFE and EMFs indicated by the blue bar.
So you see here the variance. The green was more chaotic and the brown was less chaotic than even the previous test. So that's one way to go to kind of knock down the overall jaggedy effects of the, these frequencies. This fluffy is just frequencies that affect the consciousness of a space acting on other frequencies. All of these things we're talking about are just frequencies. So that's one way to go. I already talked to you about how to start pulling the metals out of the body so your body's not turning into a little cell tower um, itself. So I think those are from what I know. And then putting, which you can, putting one of those Wi-Fi um, router uh, guards over your routers to start knocking those signals down a bit. So those are some immediate things we can do. So I just want to share that with you. And the most important thing is not to freak out over all of this. It's really important that we don't become fearful. What we do to our body when we become fearful is worse than all these frequencies. Fear takes our body into a very acidic state. Now things generally aren't going to go as smoothly for you if you're in an acidic state. So no need to worry and fret over it. You can go down the rabbit hole on the conspiracy end of it and you know, possible governmental and corporate, corporate espionage that can happen with 5G and all that. I'm concerned about my own quality of life and your quality of life and what we can do about it. The other thing is I wanted to share now, this is on an esoteric level. I talked to the Theo group about 5G and, and this was in a guy interview that I, I don't think has been posted as of yet, but you go take it, depending on when you're watching this, you can go to Guy and look at my interview with Sheila Gillette and the Theo group um, in 2019. And uh, in that interview, we talk about it, but I'm just going to give you the brief on it. Basically, I asked them, um, what do we expect from a proliferation of these these uh, frequency ranges, these very high frequency microwaves on our brains and body and so forth? And they said kind of blithely, your bodies will adapt. And I thought, okay, maybe over time, but what, you know, what's going to happen in the interim, you know? And then I started thinking about it. And I started thinking about the story of radiation in general, looking at Hiroshima which is really an interesting example. Um, Hiroshima, the, what we know of radiation and what we feared when Fukushima happened is that we we're all going to come down with you know, every kind of cancer from the radiation drift across the Pacific Ocean. And it's been quite a number of years and I think most of us have not had that. Now, is there some underlying effect in the body where the immune system's super weak and we could have been affected by it? Of course. But by and large, we didn't come down with um, cancer and mass from radiation at this point on the West Coast, okay? And no more than I understood it to be the few years prior to that. So you look at Hiroshima, you're looking at the half-life of this stuff and what that, it would have technically, from what we read about radiation, that should have been a waste zone for hundreds of years where no life could spring forth. That's not the case, okay? Fukushima, not Fukushima, but um, Hiroshima is a thriving city today. And yes, the people that were in the blast range that had massive exposure to radiation did suffer from uh, radiation poisoning and cancer rates. And we've seen the awful history of that and the pictures from the day and so forth. But we're looking at the knocked on effects the, all these years later. That doesn't appear to be the case. Um, I interviewed a woman who... It was, lived in Siberia, was raised in Siberia in um, my CMN days. And she was living in an area in Siberia where the first 
nuclear power plant was installed and it was not done correctly and it was known it was leaking radiation. Uh, I don't think the government bothered clearing it up or, or fixing it. So these people in her area were exposed to pretty high levels of radiation. And she said it had a very odd effect. For half of the people, they were, were weakened by it and, and people would develop, not ha- it's not that half of them developed cancer, but they were more prone to developing cancer. But the odd thing is that the, in the other half of the group, she's and, and these are rough terms she's explaining this in, and she was in that half of the, of the population. She said, no, she said, I experienced an, a super immune system. She said, in fact, when Fukushima happened, and I interviewed her not long after Fukushima happened, she said, my cells in my body heard the story and were excited like a beautiful piece of music, craving radiation. And so that's the strangest thing I've ever heard. She said, it sounds strange. She said, but my body and many of the people where I'm from have these super immune systems. We never get sick. And that, and we've all been exposed to this radiation. So Again, I think that this is so highly personal. It has to do with so many delicate factors in each of our bodies. I think that our mindset has a lot to do with buying into the fact that it's going to harm us is is not a good thing. I don't buy into that, not with chemtrails, uh, not with now, you know, aviation contrails as well. Um, Not with any of it, not with radiation. I just don't buy into it. Um, I don't fear it. I figure I have an expiration date on my soul's passport of life here. And then when the time comes, it comes. But so meanwhile, we need to live our lives. But at the same time, I'm not going to unnecessarily allow myself to become dragged down with ill health and low energy. That's the thing. I want to have my energy. So I think taking these precautions are, is a really good idea. I do use fluffy. I do drink green drinks. And when I remember, I take chlorella and spirulina and all of this. And we are going to get our Wi-Fi router guard. So do what you can, but understand that Theo Group might be right. It might be that over time, as we introduce these things into society, that our bodies will simply start adapting. Who knows what that adaptation will look like, but they didn't seem to think there was a need to freak out per se. So there you have it from the Theo group on 5G, certainly going to be the most esoteric take on it. But we do have some on the ground, you know, reality checks with the story of radiation and what's really happened in some people's lives. So by the way, when you go in for an x-ray, you're talking way out of that spectrum. It goes into like quintillions when you're talking about that oscillating rate. So that's why just, you know, half a second and out of there. And most of us survive that just fine too. So I'm saying, yes, 5G, do we really need everything to be that fast? I live out on a farm. 5G isn't coming here. We just got cable installed in my on my little hill, <laughs> fiber optic cable. So, and that took 10 years. So we're not particularly at risk of that in our area. But if you're living in an urban area, sometime, as that report said, over the next five years or so, that will likely be coming to your city unless something has come and knocked it out or your city has protested. The, governments, uh, the government of Belgium decided it's taking a real step back from 5G because 
no health effects have ever been studied about these frequencies on our bodies. We're just getting a little here from this institution and that institution, you know, an anecdotal experience, but they've never take, stood back and taken a large term, a, a, a large view, a study on what these effects in general do to the human body, the human brain, the human nervous system, DNA, cellular structure. So Belgium has it right to back off. I think Switzerland is following suit. There are many cities around the world that are saying no way to 5G. You cannot install those towers in our city. So uh, you can join in those efforts. Do what you need to do. Move to the country. Uh, don't either just don't worry about it and do the best you can in the city. But I just thought it was time to talk about it because I've had so many requests for it. So that's my little story on 5G. And I'd say uh, go ahead and take to the internet and find some links and study it some more. But I think that should be kind of a good little quick guide for you if you don't want to go any further on it to just kind of get you through the coming of 5G uh, mentally, emotionally and physically.